Welcome to the Breakfast with Champions podcast, where every day we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential. You can check us out at bwcdaily.com. On this show, we feature celebrity interviews as well as experts and leaders in fields like business, marketing, sales, branding, and mindset. Our goal is to give you a seat at the table to listen in on conversations with some of the most amazing people around the world, people who are doing the things you know you can do and reaching the levels you know you can reach. So get ready to be motivated and inspired and grab your seat at the table for the Breakfast with Champions podcast. And don't forget to check us out at bwcdaily.com. Good morning to everyone out there in this last full week of 2022. Congrats for taking the time and uh, giving some of your attention to being here at Breakfast with Champions first thing in the morning on a Monday, which is technically this is our Christmas holiday. So hope everyone who is celebrating whatever holidays you have or are celebrating, hope you had a great time doing so. And just want to make sure everyone knows that you are here in Breakfast with Champions. Today's segment, this segment I'm going to do here is called How to Do Mental Cardio. And my name, for those who don't know, is Dre Baldwin. I'm a former nine-year pro athlete. I'm now a author of 33 books on four TED Talks, created this whole brand called Work On Your Game, where of which I'm the CEO, where we take all the tools to help athletes get to the top 1% of sports and now translate those tools into the business world and into everyday life to help professionals like yourselves do three things, perform at a higher level, do it consistently, and make more money. And you can find me if you are an Instagram user, is just my name, Dre, at Dre Baldwin on Instagram. And by the way, making sure all of you know that at bwcdaily.com, which Ramon was talking about, mentioned several times in his segment, check there for notes from my segment and segments of others today, links to the BWC podcast, get on the email newsletter, and you can get the weekly schedule so you actually know when and who is coming up in Breakfast with Champions when it is time to do so. So, Getting into this uh, topic that we're going to talk about today, as I already told you, which is how to do mental cardio. And this is actually a real thing, mental cardio. I'll explain what it means, of course, because this was uh, when I wrote my book called Work On Your Game. This was the first chapter, mental conditioning and mental cardio, because being in shape is the basis for performing at a high level, no matter what it is that you're doing. And I talk about, you know, from being a pro athlete myself, athletes, we always talk about being in game shape. And there's a difference between being in go to the gym shape and being in game shape because there's a shape you get in when you go to the gym regularly. But there's another shape when you need to get in the game and competing as other people who are you know, trying to take your spot and trying to beat you. So what we're going to talk about is how to do this with the mind in a parallel to how we would do it with the body, because physical cardio for the most part, all of you know what that is. Physical cardio can be riding a bike, going outside and running. Maybe you, you know, whatever sport or activity you like to do for cardio, run, uh, using the elliptical machine, a rowing machine. I see people using it in the gym. Uh, mental cardio 
is similar to the physical cardio. The challenge is that many people don't understand mental cardio as well as physical because you can see somebody doing cardio. When you do cardiovascular exercise, you can feel your lungs burning. You can see yourself sweating. You can you know, feel the draining of the energy coming out of your body at that time, especially if you're not in great shape to do it. Mental cardio needs to be done. But since we can't see our brains, it's harder to understand things that are uh, mindset based because they're uh, intangible. So that's where I'm going to come in and solve this problem here today over this next 26 minutes. So let's get into it. How to do mental cardio. I have three points I'm going to share here. And if we got some time in the end, I'll take some questions and some comments from the studio audience. Point number one, again, we're talking how to do mental cardio. Here's the fundamental understanding that mental cardio is not a one-time thing that you do. It's something that must be done both continuously and consistently. So continuously meaning that it never ends. It never gets to a point where you should stop doing, like for example, if you're in good physical shape right now, there's never a time when you should just say, all right, you know what? I'm good. I'm in as good a shape as I need to be in. I don't ever need to go to the gym again. I've, I've done everything I need to do to the gym. I'm retiring from going to the gym. You wouldn't do that. Any of you who's in good shape, you understand that that's something that you have to do continuously. It never ends as long as you actually want to stay in shape. And you have to do it consistently, meaning you're not doing it randomly when you feel like it, but you do it through some repeatable system, some repeatable process for doing that. So anybody here who's in good physical shape or in good mental shape, you don't just, you know, again, work on your mind or work on your body for you know, three weeks, six years ago, and then you just stay in shape. All right, you had to keep doing it. Anything that we're good at, we are doing continuously, meaning we have a process for always finding a way to get it done. And we're doing it consistently, meaning we're doing it on a regular basis with very little variation in terms of our performance and in terms of our scheduling. So also, when you think about working out, when you think about taking care of your mind, those of you who have a business, when you think about you know, taking care of your business, do you do it whenever you remember to do so, whenever you feel like doing so? Of course not. It's something that you usually put on your calendar. Even better, you might not even need to put it on your calendar because it's so ingrained into your life that you don't even have to put it on the schedule. But maybe those of you who like to schedule everything like I do, you put it on the calendar anyway, even though you know you're going to do it. So what exactly is mental conditioning? So let me explain this. So, so just to actually kind of go back in my points here is think about this for an athlete. And those of you who haven't played a, a sport, maybe this will help you understand. A lot of people think that getting in good cardiovascular condition means or cardiovascular shape means that you won't get tired. It means the absence of fatigue, but that's actually not true. So I don't care how good of a shape anyone here is right now. It says that there are 106 people in the room here on uh, Breakfast of Champions on Clubhouse, if all 106 of us went outside to a, a football field or a basketball court and we all just sprinted up and down that court or that field 10 times, everybody is going to feel fatigued. Now, some people may be faster than others. Some may be more used to doing it than others, but everybody's going to feel fatigued if you sprint, meaning running as fast as you can up and down that court or field 10 times. The difference between the person who's in great physical shape cardiovascular shape and the person who is not is that the person who's in great shape will only need maybe let's say 30 seconds to a minute to kind of catch their breath get their bearings and they can go right back and start sprinting all over again whereas the person who's not in good shape they may need you know 30 minutes or 30 days 
before they are willing to do it again. So the difference in conditioning is not is not a yes or no. It's not a check the box that you're in shape or you're not in shape. Being conditioned is a is a, is levels to it. There's levels to this. Whether you are in good shape or better shape, worse shape, bad shape, there's just levels. It's kind of like the volume level on your stereo or on your phone. All right? There's not a yes or no. It's how loud is it? All right? That's what conditioning is about. And the thing about physical conditioning is that if you watch a, like yesterday on TV, there were five basketball games that came on Christmas Day. Those athletes there, the athletes who are in great shape, they sprint up and down that court. And there are going to be times where they're tired. There's going to be times when they get bumped, they get fouled, uh, they're missing shots, uh, the game's not going well. They are able to bounce back from that fatigue and start running again because they're in the great shape that they're in. It's the same thing with mental conditioning. When you're in great mental condition shape is not the absence of having a bad day. It doesn't mean the absence of uh, doesn't mean the absence of someone disappointing you or someone not showing up or doing what you expected them to do. All of those things are going to happen. There are going to be times where you're frustrated. going to be times when you're annoyed, angry, sad, disappointed, frustrated, all the negative emotions that we probably don't want to experience on purpose too often. Being in great mental condition does not mean that those things don't happen. It's just a matter of how quickly can you bounce back when you feel them. So LeBron James, who was playing yesterday, his team didn't do too well, but he did pretty well personally. When he feels fatigue, he needs much less time to go back to a full sprint than the average person does simply because he's in better cardiovascular, physical cardiovascular shape. Mental conditioning is the same thing. When you're in good mental condition, you just need less time to bounce back when there's a setback, when there's a challenge when you're frustrated, when something that was supposed to go left all of a sudden goes right or vice versa. That's the only difference when it comes to mental conditioning. And this is the reason why you have to be doing it continuously so you can stay in that mental shape. And you want to be doing it consistently so that your mind kind of knows what the baseline is. That's what we're talking about here. So moving on to the second point, we're talking about how to do mental cardio here today. Take control of your unconscious train of thoughts. This is really where the rubber hits the road here when it comes to getting yourself in a great mental shape. It's taking control of the unconscious train of thoughts. These are the thoughts that are going through your head, going on in your head, even when you're not consciously thinking about thinking, if you get what I'm saying. If you're not thinking about what's actually going on in your mind, there's always something that's going on. So our thought process is like an ongoing question and answer session that we're having with ourselves. Everything that we come across over the course of a day, we ask ourselves a question and we give ourselves an answer. And we understand any of you who's in sales, any of you who's ever been on a, any kind of debate team or you've been on a debate TV show, or if any of you has ever uh, been on trial or you ever seen a trial lawyer in action, you understand that the quality of the questions control the quality of the answers. Now, here's the rub. 85% of our thoughts are habitual and unconscious, meaning most of the things that you're thinking about, like right now, everybody in the room, think about an elephant, picture an elephant. Okay, everybody thinking about an elephant right now? You got that picture of what an elephant looks like in your mind? Okay, that's a conscious thought. All right, that is about 15% of your thoughts. I, I told you to think about it, you decided to think about it, and you made yourself picture something that you wanted to think about in your mind. That controls 15% of what's going on in your mind. The other 
is unconscious, meaning you're not even aware that these thoughts are happening. Now, let's think about this. I think most people agree that what's going on in our minds has a big effect on what we end up saying. Then it affects what we end up doing and what we do reflects what we end up having. So what's going on in our minds is the basis for how our lives turn out. Now, if 85% of what's happening in our minds is completely unconscious, we're not even aware that it's happening. That means most of what's taking place in our lives is a reflection of something that we're not even aware is going on. So if we were able to take control of that thing that we aren't even thinking about that often, 85% of the time, then we can consciously and intentionally change whatever we're getting as a result in our lives. So we start to change. So we change what we're unconsciously thinking about that changes our speech, meaning not only what we verbally say, but also just the things that we're saying to ourselves consciously, those conscious thoughts that changes our actions and our actions, of course, lead to our results. So that's why this matters so much. So taking control of that 85% that is unconscious just means making the conscious stuff conscious, meaning we have to be catch ourselves and start thinking about what we're thinking about, what is actually going on in my mind? What is the train of thought that led me to saying what I'm saying to myself or saying what I said to somebody else, taking these actions, having this result. So if you look at every aspect of your life and you look at any area in which you don't have uh, the optimal outcome of exactly what you want, here's the only thing you have to do is ask yourself, what are the unconscious thought patterns going on in this aspect of my life that led to the situation being like this? And then that's what we can fix. Now, here's a way that you can start to work on this is to borrow from another aspect of your life. So look at an area of your life in which things are good and which things are great, where you are doing maybe even better than you thought you would and ask yourself, OK, what is the process? What are the unconscious thought patterns that are happening in this aspect? And then draw a parallel, if you can, from what's happening in the area where things are going good to the area where things are not so great. And I guarantee you, you're going to notice some differences. And all you have to do is suss out what those differences are and start at least coming up with a basic framework for how can I parallel what I'm doing in my finances to what I'm not doing in my fitness? How can I parallel what I'm doing with my family to what I'm not doing with keeping up with my friends? And you'll notice that there are some really big fundamental differences between the two that lead to the differences in outcome. It has nothing to do with your actual abilities because the abilities change when you change the thoughts. You change the approach, you change the structure, it changes the actions, it changes the outcome. So the thoughts that are going on in your head where you're not thinking about them, again, they're happening even when you are sleeping. These unconscious thoughts take up much more space, there's much more of them going on, and they have much more of an effect on what we're doing than our conscious thinking, which means they are controlling our psyche, they're controlling our actions, they're controlling our habits. So here's a question for you. Have you ever had a parent or a boss or a coach who always says some of the same things every single day? I'm sure we all have. Like your parents probably had some certain pet sayings that they would say to you all the time. Any of you who is a parent, especially if you have young children, you probably have certain things that you say to your children all the time, whether you're aware of it or not. They are definitely aware of it. When you were in school, you probably had teachers who did this. If you work at a company, you have a supervisor you deal with on a daily basis. They have certain things that they say over and over and over again. And you probably still remember them to this day, even if it was a teacher from you know, 20 years ago or a parent from 20 years ago. Here's the thing. 
You just need a systemized set of statements. I'm bringing that up to say this. You want a systemized set of statements that you are saying to yourself every single day, not that just came about by just random habit, but that you have chosen on purpose. You're being conscious and intentional about what you're saying to yourself on a daily basis, because there are only two ways to change what's going on in the subconscious mind. That 85% that I'm talking about, only two ways to change it. Number one is by the emotionalization of a thought. And number two is by repetition. There are no other ways to change the thought. You emotionalize it or you are repetitive with it. Ideally, you can do both at the same time, but one by itself can work as well. So what I when I brought up your coach or your parent or a boss saying something over and over again, those things were ingrained in their minds. And if they said it so much that you remember it to this day, even if it was years ago, it got ingrained in your mind. So what is ingrained in your mind right now are the things that either were a highly emotionalized for you or b just repetitive, just happening over and over and over again. So if you come from a certain environment or you hung around a certain uh, class of people or you just had certain strong influence influences around you, whether they were positive or negative, doesn't matter. Subconscious mind will accept them. So all you have to do is dig into, okay, what actually got in, implanted in my mind and what do I want to keep? What do I want to enhance? What do I want to get rid of? What needs to be changed? So this is the systemized set of statements that you would say to yourself on a daily basis. Now, some people call these affirmations. Uh, Napoleon Hill called them auto suggestions. You can call them whatever you want to call them. Some people call them self-talk. It's simply the things that you are going to put in your mind on purpose so that re repeated and emotionalized, the mind will take a hold onto these things. And then when you get into a situation in your real life, right, some people do this during their periods of meditation as well. When you get into situations during your the rest of your day outside of the meditation time, and we talked about this a little bit last week, this is when those things kind of click because they're already ingrained in your mind. So this is to give you another example, as an athlete, one of the reasons why athletes practice so much in in between the games. When I played uh, one team, I played for internationally. I was playing in uh, Montenegro in 2008, and we had a game every Saturday. Now, when you play basketball in, in Europe, the games are much fewer and further between than in the NBA. In the NBA, it seems like they play every night. But over there, you play fewer than half as many games as the NBA plays, even though I mean, overseas, excuse me, you play fewer, fewer than half as many games as they play here in the USA, even though the season is the exact same length of time in the calendar. So what are we doing all that time when we're not playing the games? We're practicing. So one team I played for, we would have 10 practices for every one game. We played a game every Saturday, usually on Saturdays. And then Monday through Friday, we would practice twice per day. And usually Sundays we would get off. And when you practice that often, what happens is whatever we're practicing, that's pretty much what we would end up doing in the game. So if the practices were good, we would play good in the game. The practices were not good, we wouldn't do good in the game. But we practiced some of the same stuff so much that I got really, really good at those same things because we did them so often. And this is what we do in sports. And any coach will tell you in sports is that you're going to play the way that you practice. So whatever way you're practicing, that's how you're going to play. So if you're not doing good in the practice, you're probably not going to get in the game and get your opportunity. This is what we're doing when we're meditating every day. This is what we do when we have our, our time for our affirmations or we're giving ourselves our auto suggestion. What we're doing is practicing 
how we're going to talk to ourselves and how we want to think so that when we get into the day, let's say you spend 30 minutes meditating, the other 23 hours and 30 minutes of the day when stuff is happening and you're dealing with other people who you can't control, circumstances that you can't control, weather that you can't control, all kinds of stuff popping up that you need to deal with that you don't always know is coming. The 30 minutes that you spent practicing is what allows you to respond instinctively during the day, the rest of the day with whatever it is that you practice. This is why practice matters so much and why people say practice makes perfect or some people say perfect practice makes perfect. What I heard Tim Ferriss say was that you do not rise. I think he got this from someone he interviewed for one of his books. He said, you don't rise to the level of the challenge. You fall to the level of your training. So however you have trained your mind, that's the way you're going to show up when a situation occurs. This is why you've maybe heard people say, that crisis situations or stressful situations reveal who people really are or even they say in sports that sports don't build character character they reveal character because whatever it is that is in you that's what's going to come up when you get into that pressure situation or that uh, heightened awareness state where you just have to deal with something that's being thrown at you and you don't even know what's coming how do you react to that you're not just going to rise to the level of whatever the situation is. You're just going to do whatever is ingrained in you already. So that's why this mental conditioning, mental cardio matters so much. Point number three, and I'll leave a few. I think we may have a little bit of time for uh, commentary here. Hopefully you all have some. Number three, we're talking how to do mental cardio here. Help yourself with your ancillary decisions for your mental cardio. Same way you will for your physical cardio. I'll explain in a second. Definition of the word ancillary means providing necessary support to the primary activities or operations of an organization, institution, industry, or system. For example, any of you who lifts weights, there's a big difference between lifting weights using a machine. You go into the gym, they had a little machines where you can move the little pin and choose how much weight you want to lift. And then you sit there on the chair or whatever it is. There's a big difference between lifting weights on the machine and lifting free weights where you just pick up the bar or the dumbbell and you do whatever you want to do with them. The big difference is when you lift weights on a machine, the machine acts as a stabilizer for your body, meaning the machines are designed so that you can only move the weight in kind of one plane. If you actually sit on the machine or get on the apparatus the way it's designed to, the way the little picture tells you to, there's only one way that you can move that machine and you can't really mess it up. It's not that it's impossible for you to get injured, but it takes away a lot of, it takes a lot of the a lot of the extra work that goes into moving a weight is done by the machine, is not done by the human. When you use a free weight, on the other hand, your other muscles have to act as basically stabilizers for the main muscle being worked. So, for example, if you get on a, a chest press machine, chest press machine is basically supposed to be like a bench press and it works the pectoral muscles the same way that a bench press would. The difference is when you use a chest press machine, it isolates only those pectoral muscles and the pectoral muscles are basically the only thing working. I'm generalizing this a lot. The only thing working when you use that machine. But if you were to lay on a flat bench and do a bench press using dumbbells or a barbell, now a whole bunch of other muscles have to come into play. Your shoulders, your biceps, your core, your back, all of those other muscles have to act as stabilizers and they have to stabilize the rest of your body so that the pectoral muscles can lift the weight. So the stabilizer muscles, when you use free weights, become the ancillary muscles being worked when you use a 
free weight as opposed to using a machine. Now, again, when you're using the machine, those muscles do work, but they don't have to work as hard because the machine is doing a whole lot of the work for you. Those are ancillary. They're ancillary in that particular exercise. I'm explaining all of that to say this. It's the same when it comes to your cardiovascular exercise. What ancillary decisions or ancillary tools are, or actually, what, yeah, let's, let's say it that way. What ancillary tools are being used to either support or uh, be a detriment to you getting in the kind of shape that you want to get in? If you want to get in good physical shape, let me ask you a question. Is it a good ancillary decision to eat fried chicken, ice cream, drink soda, uh, alcohol, and not getting a whole lot of rest? I don't think those are good ancillary decisions. Again, you don't need a nutritionist or a personal trainer to know the answer to that question. Those are those are not good ancillary decisions if you're trying to get in good physical shape. All right. They counteract whatever you would do in the gym. Like any personal trainer will tell you is that you cannot out train a bad diet. And when it comes to mental cardio, what are the ancillary decisions that you're making and the ancillary elements of your life? Are they helping your mental cardio or are they hurting it? So what are some things that are mental cardio kryptonite, so to speak? Negative thoughts that you are consciously choosing. These are not ones that are in the subconscious. Your conscious negative thoughts, negative people, uh, feelings of helplessness, uh, wasting time, not taking initiative, that allowing your time to be sucked away by things that are not helping you get to where you want to go. All of these things are counter acting the mental cardio that you've been trying to do again the same way that a nutritionist or a trainer would tell you you can't out train a bad diet you cannot outthink bad ancillary decisions that go on in your mind because again only 15 percent of your thoughts are things that you are consciously thinking about the other 85 percent are already baked into your subconscious so if you're allowing negative things to be baked into your subconscious or they're already there and you're not making ancillary decisions to get rid of them, then again, no amount of your 15% thinking can undo that 85%, if that makes sense. So let me recap these points here. The topic again is how to do mental cardio. Again, when I wrote my book, Working Your Game, which was not really a mindset book, it was a business book, but we started the book with this chapter on mental cardio because this is the foundation of everything we're going to do. Like, you want to be a professional football player or a soccer player or a basketball player, the first thing you got to do is get in shape. I don't care how much talent you have. You're not in shape. You're not going to win the game simply because the opponent is just going to outlast you. All right, by the time you get to the, the second quarter or whatever sport you're playing, however it's designed a boxer, you get to the third round, you're going to be out of gas. It's a 12-round fight. So you might look good in the first two rounds because you have talent, but if you're not in shape, then you won't be able to last and actually show your skills and win the game. So physical cardio, everybody understands that. You go outside and run, you're going to get fatigued. Mental cardio is about Similar to physical cardio, it's not about whether or not you feel fatigue, it's about how quickly you bounce back. Mental cardio is how quickly you bounce back when you face mentally challenging situations, because they will happen. Point number one, fundamental understanding is that this is not a one-time thing. It must be done both continuously and consistently. It is not done here randomly. Anybody here who's in good shape, you don't do it randomly. Any of you who's in good mental, a good mental space, it doesn't just randomly happen. There is something that you are consciously doing 
that is structured into your life, a discipline that allows you to stay in that good mental space. It is is not something that just randomly happens. It is not a talent. It is a discipline. Number two, take control of your unconscious train of thoughts. These are the thoughts going on in your head, even when you're not thinking about them. You have to get control of these because they control 85% of what's going on in your mind. If you change 85% of what's happening in any aspect of your life, it will show. So we need to get control of this stuff. It is not just what you're doing consciously, it's what you're doing unconsciously. You got to get control of that stuff. As Tim Ferriss said, you do not rise to the level of the challenge. You fall to the level of your training. Your training is what's going on at 85%. You got to get conscious about the unconscious. Number three, help yourself with your ancillary decisions. If you're trying to get in good physical shape, then you understand that fried chicken, ice cream, soda, and alcohol, and not sleeping a lot, are probably not good ancillary elements to you getting in good shape. Again, you don't need an expert to tell you that. You already understand that. So what are the ancillary elements that may be hurting you getting in good a good mental space? Are there some negative people you got to get rid of? Are there some negative thoughts that you are putting in your mind that you got to get out of there? Are there some habits that you have that are not helping your mental cardio that you need to catch yourself on and get rid of? Because habits are habits because we stop thinking about them. They, They just take over our mind. So when you get control of this stuff, and get control of your cardio, that changes everything. So I'm going to take two minutes here for questions. Then Mr. Alexander is going to come on at nine o'clock and he's going to give us an update on, he's going to do a quick reset. He's going to give us an update on Marcus Blatt, who's in in the running to win a contest right now. He'll tell us all about that in a minute and a half. Anybody have a question, comment, anything I just said? Stars, right now, Tina, Dre, like, just want to give you big ups. Woo, woo. I'm over here screaming and shouting, loving everything you're saying. That's all I wanted to say. I love, love, love your segments, and I'm a big old fan. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Who was that talking? I am Stars Tina. Oh, hey, Tina. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. So fast, I couldn't catch you. All right. Anybody else? Uh, question, comment, anything you want to add to what we just talked about? Thank you, Dre. I needed that today. That's all I can say about it. Happy holidays. Uh, thank you, Deborah. I appreciate you. Uh, who else has a question, comment, anything you'd like to add here? We'll take uh, one more minute, then Alexander will reset us and tell us about Marcus Blatt. Hello, Dre. It's Dr. Tanji. I wanted good morning. To say, hello, good morning. Yes, you and I definitely <laughs> take away with on a lot of things. Um, I just wanted to make mention of you spoke about the machines. A lot of people going to the um, the gyms and they don't have muscular balance, right? They go and they just right. do those machines and they don't really know what to do. So I definitely recommend, I love the free rate weights for functional movements and trainings for what we do day to day is so very, very vital for the body and just to, to get a trainer. So I love that you mentioned the machines because sometimes it can handicap. If people are gonna do the machines, make sure they do a variety of those free weights, but I love the free weights. Back to you, Dre, love your segment. I love the free ways to uneven use machines. So we on the same page, Angie. Thank you. <laughs>